Hi there, this is Jacob Msipa, the senior pastor of Builders Church. I just want to thank you for taking time to listen to our podcast today. And I trust that it will bless and build your spirit. Enjoy the message and God bless you. Our theme for the month is One Hope. Amen. Amen. One Hope. And um, our title for today will be simply, He is with me. Say, I am not alone. alone. But God is with me. Therefore, I will not be afraid. Say, I am not alone. God is with me. Therefore, I will not be afraid. One more time. I am not... A- <laughs> I am not alone. God is with me. Therefore, I will not be afraid. That is the title today. He is with me. Hallelujah. He is with me. Amen. Help me, Jesus. Help me this morning. Let's go to the book of Isaiah, chapter number 41. It's a very popular scripture. At, at least, I. it's one of my favorite. It's one of my favorite. Maybe that's why I'm saying it's a popular scripture. And maybe some of us will be reading it for the first time. But it's one of my favorite scriptures. I don't think the week passes without me meditating or reflecting on this scripture. And I'm going to be reading it in the New Living Translation. The New Living Translation. And it says, Don't be afraid. Another translation says, fear not, for I am with you. Don't be discouraged, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will hold you up with my victorious right hand. The the amplified version describes this hand as my righteous hand, a hand of justice, of power, of victory, and of salvation. One of our enemy's weapon that he uses And he uses it very well. It is the spirit of discouragement. The enemy might not succeed in preventing you from praying, from reading the word, from going to church. But if there's one thing that he does and he does well, It is to unleash the spirit of discouragement. The enemy will always fight to 
break your spirit. When we are talking about the DNA of a builder, if you have read my book, Arise and Build, if you have not done so, I'm encouraging you to do so. Just revisit that chapter, the DNA of a builder. Talking about the fact that as a builder, you must be bold. But also as a builder, you must be undeterred. That means you must find a way of fighting against the spirit of discouragement. Because like I said, the enemy is committed to break your spirit. Because he knows that if he can break your spirit, you can easily self-destruct. He does not have to do anything else. You can easily give up. That's why I love what uh, Mr. David preached uh, during the word of offering, that do not give up. Don't give up. Don't give up. No matter what happens. Let me tell you, you can never in life do anything great if you are easily discouraged. There's nothing big that you can ever do because none of us There's no one under the sun who is doing well in life, who has achieved great things. Think of anybody that when they started, they were sure of the outcome. You can never be sure of the outcome when you are attempting something great. Sometimes you are going to feel afraid. Sometimes you are going to feel discouraged. And while I'm at it, there will be a time where you are not going to receive any form of external encouragement. And at that point, you'll have to learn, like David, to encourage yourself. Encourage yourself. Be your own motivational speaker. Be your own prophet. And prophesy yourself out of a distressful situation. Because for you to get to the next level, you need courage. I want to give you a challenge and a homework. Go back and study the Bible and look at everybody that God was calling them to do something great. Before they even start, before they face any battle, any challenge, he will always tell them. Be of good courage. He will always tell them, be strong. He will always tell them, do not be afraid. Why is God doing that? He knows. <laughs> he knows that on your journey to greatness, there will be a lot of discouragement. You will need strength because sometimes you will feel weak. You, you can see great people smiling and celebrating on the other side if they can tell you the journey of how they got there. You will understand the value of such words from the scripture. When God says to you, don't be afraid, it does not, it, it, it does not mean there won't be seasons where you won't feel afraid. <laughs> Yeah. 
So you need to decide beforehand, especially if you have a dream, if you have a desire, if you have a vision, if you have aspirations to be great in life. Decide beforehand. I am not going to give up. I am not going to allow discouragement to suppress me. Father, we thank you for the reading of your word. Speak to us this morning. We are listening. Prepare us for where you are taking us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let me start off by saying, Bazolani, this morning, that being without Christ, being without Christ, as all of us, there was a time in our lives where we were without Christ. Being without Christ makes us to be people of no hope. If you are without Christ, you have no reason to have hope. So what are you hoping for, really? When we were far away from God, because if you are without Christ, you are without God. Because Jesus puts it very clear. He says, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. No one goes to God, my Father, except through me. So if you are without Him, guaranteed, you are without God. And when you are without God, the Bible says you are in a state of hopelessness. Because there are no guarantees about your tomorrow. Ephesians 2 verse 12. That at that time you were without Christ. It says, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenant of promise. It says, having no hope and without God in the world. So automatically when your life is not centered around God around Christ, what Jesus has done on the cross. You have no reason to have hope in your life. If I don't have God on my side, what can my hope be? That's why the scripture asks in the book of Job 27 verse number 8, for what hope have the godless? So godlessness leads to hopelessness. That's why as a Christian who is with Christ and with God, you have every reason to be hopeful in your life. You have every reason to have hope. They always say that there are no guarantees in life. God is the only guarantee that even tomorrow he'll be there. I can't promise you that your house will be there tomorrow. I can't promise you that your job will be there tomorrow. I can't promise you that your money will be there tomorrow. I can't promise you that you will still be alive tomorrow. But what I can promise you is that God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. 
The Bible says he is the one who was and is and is to come. That's why even when he was sending Moses to, the, um, to Pharaoh to deliver the children of Israel, when he asked, Who sh whom shall I say have sent me? God said, tell them that I am has sent you. Because God will always be there. He has promised us in his word, I will never leave you nor forsake you. He says, I am mindful of you. 24-7. In other words, even when I cannot worry about myself. That's why one of God's names is the one who is more closer to you than you are to yourself. He does not sleep nor slumber. He's the first one to think about you before you can think about yourself. That's why the Bible says he blesses us in our sleep. That's why as a Christian, I have no business being awake at night worried about my life because God has already decided to take that place for me. He says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. I'll always be with you as God. It's just that the way that sometimes we live our lives, we become less aware of God's presence in our lives. Less aware of God's commitment in terms of the covenant that he has with us. Sometimes we doubt the very truth that he said he will never leave us and not forsake us. What is hope? We said hope is a feeling of expectation. And a desire for a particular thing to happen. Hope is a feeling of expectation. And a desire for a particular thing to happen. Especially something good to happen in our lives. The biblical meaning of hope is confident expectation. So in other words, I'm not just having an expectation that something good will happen. But I have confidence that it is definitely going to happen. I have confidence as I'm standing on these grounds and I can feel that I'm standing on top of something. Let me tell you this. If I can close your eyes and, and walk you out of a building and there's nothing that is going to hold you up and you can feel that you are going down, you are going to have that sense of panic. Why? Because you are not confident that you are going to land anytime soon. But as soon as you sense some ground, as you step out, you have confidence. Your body eventually relaxes because you can feel that there's something holding you up. So, so as believers, we are supposed to be living our lives like that. Having confidence. Let me tell you this, in life, because you can never have hope unless you have confidence. You wake up in the morning confident. The Bible says, do not cast away your confidence. That's why any relationship, be it friends, be it romantic relationship, that tempers with your confidence is not good for you. Anything that tempers with your confidence is not good for you. You have got to live this life confident, not in yourself, but confident 
in him. Confident in him. The Bible says in 1 John 3 verse 21, Beloved, if our heart does not condemn us, we have confidence toward God. If to say there's something off that might put me in a bad space in as far as God is concerned, I have confidence. And that's why always when the enemy wants to tamper with your confidence, he will tell you that you don't qualify to talk to God. You don't qualify to say anything to God. You don't qualify to ask God for anything. Because prayer without confidence will never deliver results. That's why the Bible says this is the confidence that we have in Him. That when we pray, you see, if you enter God's presence without confidence already, 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 you, you can be guaranteed that there won't be any answer to your prayer. That's why the Bible says God has made provision to give us the blood of Jesus so that as we enter into his presence, we can have boldness. Not, 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 not to say I qualify to stand here because of the right things that I have done yesterday, but the only thing that gives me boldness is that I have the blood that speaks on my behalf. In other words, when God looks at me, he does not look at what I have done, the good and the bad, but he looks at the redemptive power of the blood of Jesus Christ. And that's the only thing that qualifies me to stand before God's presence. And it gives me confidence that I have audience with God. It gives me confidence that as I pray, God is not just sitting in heaven, just, just looking at everything else and minding his own business, but he's giving me attention. The Bible says he inclines my ear. What does that mean? He develops appetite to listen to what I have to say to him. As a believer, you've got to be confident in God. As a wife, as a husband, don't lose your confidence. Don't cast away your confidence. As a leader, don't cast away your confidence. As an employee, don't cast away your confidence. As an employer, don't cast away your confidence. As a child of God, be confident. Have confidence. Walk in a room knowing as if you are sure of the positive results. Even when, even when numbers are not adding up in your head, be confident. Even when life tells you that you're not, you know what, you might not make it throughout this month, be confident. Not in yourself, not, not in your bank account, not in your education, but be confident in the fact that my God exists. And for as long as on this solid ground and solid foundation I stand, positive results are guaranteed. Don't let the devil talk you out of your confidence. Don't let situations and circumstances talk you out of your confidence. We have got to make sure that we have that confidence in God. Underline, I did not say confidence in yourself or confidence in what you have and, and confidence in your, in, your, in, your, in your education or your English or whatever the case may be, but confidence in God. Because God is the only real thing. The Bible says there's nothing in this world that exists outside of God. In Him we move, we live, and we have our being. Everything else outside of God is not real. Confident expectation. You see, the danger with living your life 
without hope in your heart. You are just taking it one day at a time, not sure what is going to come out of it. In other words, you are just going to live your life freestyling, guessing that, oh, well, if it comes, it comes. If it doesn't, it doesn't. And, and, and you move from one emotion to another because there's nothing that you are expecting. And, 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 and take, take note of this. You start by not expecting anything to expecting something bad. It's almost like the opposite of what we are supposed to be having towards God. We begin now to expect something. Have you ever been in that state where you just wake up and you just know something bad is going to happen? We're just going to get there in just a moment. You, you, you wake up early in the morning. You, you, you've allowed yourself to live your life without any hope. That expectation from God, that God is going to do something. And, and let me tell you this. Here's the difference when you have expectation from God. The Bible clearly tells us this, that every good and perfect gift comes from God. So in other words, if I'm expecting something from God, what am I expecting? Something good and something perfect. But as soon as I have the distorted image of who God is in my life, I begin to expect that God is about to punish me hard. And as, as soon as I begin to think those thoughts, I wake up early in the morning and I think I deserve some form of punishment today. And you're lucky, Lord. In your mind, you're thinking, you know, <laughs> this day will never end without me expecting, experiencing something bad. And once you begin to live your life like that, let me tell you, you are in danger. You are in danger. That's why the very existence of God, the very existence of God in our minds should communicate positive results. The very existence of God. When you think about God, because he says, I know the plans that I have for you. Man, and God does not hide those plans. He says, plans to prosper you. Another translation says, plans to give you an expected end. But the question is, what are you expecting from God? They said, no, the plans that I saw. In other words, this already tells me that God is not sitting in heaven planning my downfall. God is not sitting in heaven planning how can I deal harshly with goodwill. No matter how much of a bad boy you can be, God will never get to a point where he sits and he is the one plotting your downfall. Of course, your sin might lead you into some kind of downfall, but it would not be God sitting in heaven plotting that you are going to, it's like today, I'm just going to deal with Tabili. I want to teach her a lesson. No. He says, I know the plans that I have for you. In other words, God can never sit in heaven, create me. Just so that he can bring me to this world to punish me daily. To make me his project of destruction. 
That's why when Jesus talks about Satan, he says the thief does not come except to kill, steal, and destroy. But I have come that you may have life and have it more abundantly. Yeah. Of course, when we choose our own ways, our own paths, we might face the consequences, but let me tell you this. Let me assure you, it was never God who sat in heaven and planned. That's why he says, I have put before you life or death. And then he says, but I would rather you choose life. But the decision and the choice is yours. What are you expecting from God? What is your daily expectation as you wake up? Are you expecti expecting failure? Before you go to that job interview, are you already saying that, ah, well, I know that I'm just going. Oh, well, I might not even get this. What are you expecting? What is your hope? What is the source of your hope? If it is man, then you can expect anything. But if it is God at the center, you can only expect God to do good. Hopelessness leads to fear and anxiety. Because when we lack hope, there is nothing that says to us things will work out for us. We begin to lack confidence that it will be well with us. Instead, we begin to be afraid that everything will go wrong. We start looking at difficult situations and we see all the proof, all the evidence that indeed things will not work out. Because fear is nothing but false evidence appearing real. It is when the enemy enhances everything in your life that seems to be communicating failure, destruction, lack, poverty. He gives you the evidence. He proves to you daily with every negative thing that is happening around you. He enhances it. He puts it on HD. High definition, even though you were not supposed to pay attention to it, the enemy enhances it. So that when you receive that phone call, it communicates that you are done. You, you, you see, when, when you receive, uh, I don't know about you. I don't know if you've ever received a phone call of bad news. Somebody on the other line beginning by saying, we are sorry to inform you. And already, already the high definition screen from the enemy comes into the picture and it says to you, you are done. That's it. I know that feeling as somebody who is a leader, who is a builder. I know that feeling when the enemy plays a video of how things will pan out. And all that he wants you to do is to focus on that movie that he is playing for you. Because he knows that as soon as you allow that feeling of failure and discouragement and fear, you will just simply self-destruct. And as a believer, you need to know the Bible says we must not be ignorant of his devices. 
We must know the weapons that he is using daily. Because those impossible, listen, if you have not yet faced impossible situations in your life, you have not yet attempted anything great. <laughs> if everything that you have done still makes you comfortable, you have not yet attempted anything great in your life. And I am daring you to begin to dream beyond your bank balance, to dream beyond your pocket, to dream beyond your history, your background, to dream beyond uh, your affordability and begin to aim for something that will make you not sleep at night. Where the enemy will be whispering in your ear and saying to you, what are you attempting? Who do you think you are? Do, do you? You? Do you know yourself? You know when the enemy tries to talk you out of a dream that God has put, you in, put in your heart. I know those moments that Jesus had when he had to kneel down and the enemy was whispering in his ear. Telling him that if you claim that you are a son of God, why don't you throw yourself down? And let's see if the angels will catch you. If, 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 you are, if you claim to be who you are, why don't you turn these stones into bread so that you can have something to look at you? You are hungry. It's the same voice in the Garden of Eden that said to Eve, did God really say? I don't know if you've had those moments in your life. I've had that moment just the past couple of weeks when we packed everything in our campus and put it in the storage and there was no building to move to. And the voice came, did God really say? And that feeling of fear comes and it is being enhanced. And you begin to say to yourself, oh, I've missed it. I've missed God. I've just committed the biggest mistake of my life. And it is going to cost me everything. Let me tell you this in the same way. That faith is the substance of things hoped for. According to Hebrews 11 verse 1, so is fear the substance of things not hoped for. As soon as you allow the feeling of fear to take ownership of your thoughts, of your heart, of your soul, you begin to attract things that are undesirable in your life. Faith has got a way of pulling from God, but fear has a way of pulling from the enemy. Fear is a magnet of all of the negative expectations. When the more afraid you are, the more failure knocks on your door. The more disappointment knocks on your door. Faith attracts what God wants to do, but fear attracts what Satan wants to do in your life. Take note of what Job says in chapter 3 verse 25. He says, for the thing I greatly feared has come upon me. The thing I greatly feared. That's why if you are going to spend time in your mind, in your thoughts, dwelling on what you are afraid of, afraid of failure. Every day when you are thinking about how your life is going to be miserable and fail, you think because you've seen that movie before. And each time something small happens in your life, you think, oh, there we go. That's why other people don't break out of a cycle of failure. They keep on repeating it over and over again because each time they see a hint 
of what has brought failure in the past, fear overtakes them. Let me show you the progression of failure. That's why you see when the progression of fear. You see, when Jesus was saying, do not worry. He was not just dealing with worry. He was dealing with where worry will take you. When Jesus was saying, do not let your heart be troubled. He was not just dealing with your heart being troubled at that point. He was dealing with where a troubled heart will take you. Fear does not become fear overnight. It begins as worry. <laughs> he says, do, do not worry. He makes it worse. He says, do not worry about tomorrow. And in most cases, we are worried not about what is happening today. We are worried about tomorrow. As I go to sleep today, what, what? <laughs> Pastor G, you need Jesus. In most cases, we are worried about what am I going to do tomorrow? In most cases, it's not the end of the month yet. Already you are worried about the end of the month. The possibilities of, of tomorrow dealing with your joy for today. Even when you are not there. So Jesus, as early as possible, he says, no, as my children, don't make it a habit to be worried. He says, do not. And how many of you know that when God tells you not to do something and you do it, it's sin? Jesus, do you know what I'm faced with in my life? How can you just put it so simple and say, I must not worry? I'm worried about the fact that you say I must not worry. That, that on its own worries me. You, you say, I mean, it doesn't make sense. I've been there in a number of times where I'm worried about the fact that not only is God saying I must not worry, but he's quiet. And I'm losing my mind because almost everything around me says whatever that you are working on is not going to work out. And, and he's just sitting there chilling, comfortable. Why? It is because he has already said everything that he needed to say about what you are faced with today. Already he has told us that be anxious for nothing. Already he has said, cast all of your cares, whatever that is worrying you. He says, throw it to me. What does that mean? Each time I wake up and there's something that is sitting heavy in my heart, what do I do? I take it to God. That is my commitment. I take it to God. If I'm still worried, I take it to God. If I'm still worried, I talk to God about it. I mention it to God in prayer. As the song says, what a privilege we have to carry everything to God in prayer. And many of us, we are walking around heavy in our hearts, worried about our tomorrow. Worried about our families, or worried about our children, worried about, about what, what, how are things going to work out in my life? And we worry about this and we worry about that. And before you know it, worry produces stress. You, you, you just didn't wake up and you were stressed. You were worried about something. 
You were worried about something. And you allowed worry to linger longer than it is necessary. Because Jesus does not simply say worry will not, will not trouble you. Worry will visit you. But do not let your heart be troubled. In other words, Jesus leaves it in your hands. When he says do not let it, in other words, he says the power remains in your hands to allow it to stay longer than it is necessary. That's why even with the feeling of anger, God does not say don't be angry. He says be angry, but do not let the sun go down on your anger. Because he knows that anger, if it lingers longer than it is necessary in your heart, it will produce bitterness, jealousy, pride, unforgiveness. And guess what? Once you are now sitting with unforgiveness, he says, even I can forgive you. Because you refuse to forgive others. So worry, deal with it. ASAP. Shia. Deal with it. ASAP. You, you wake up, you're worried. You know, there are people who fall in love with worry. They love it, they embrace it. Oh, I'm so worried. Oh, I'm worried. I'm worried about this. I'm worried about that. I'm worried about you. Oh, I wonder. What if it doesn't work? I'm so worried. I came back to that interview. I'm so worried about whether or not, when are they going to? I'm so worried each and every day. I'm worried. I'm worried. And Jesus said, and guess what? He says, do, do not fornicate. You are doing well. You are not fornicating. But we are worried. Yeah, 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 yeah. And the one who is fornicating is prospering in their lives. Because you have allowed something that is critical with life issues. Because God does not want you to just to be holy, but he wants you to be whole. He wants you to be prosperous and blessed. And one of the key things that he has given us, he says, do not worry. In the midst of all of the worrying things around us, he says, don't worry. Pastor G, don't worry. I know there are things that are troubling you in your heart, but Jesus says, don't let your heart be troubled by them. So don't allow any negative thought to sit in your heart longer than it is required. Says, do not worry about tomorrow. He even takes you to the next level. He says, don't worry about what you are going to eat, what you are going to wear. He says, doesn't he take care of all the sparrows that you see? He says, they don't plant, they don't reap, but yet he feeds them each and every day. How much more about you, the one he died for on the cross? He says, don't worry. Jesus, do you know that I'm not, I'm, you know, I, I'm, not from, I'm not from a rich family. I'm not sure whether or not I'm going to finish matric and go to university. He says, don't worry. That's the matters of tomorrow. You, you, you know, I have dreams. I have aspirations. Yes, that's the matter of tomorrow. You know, I, I'm, I'm worried that, you know, I'm, I, might, I might die with, without having bought the house of my dreams. Guess when the house of your dreams is supposed to happen? Tomorrow. And you're already worried about it today. And before you, you, you know it, you, you, have you heard about something called midlife crisis? Tabile, it is when it dawns on you. And hey, in five years' time, I'm going to be 50. 
And when you apply for a home loan, you need at least 30 years to pay for it. So already I'm not, you are, you are 45. You are not even 50 yet. But your thoughts are consumed by something that might not even happen. Somebody once said, 99% of things that we are worried about today will not happen. Yeah. Yeah. It's like you've whacked yourself up for nothing. How many times you woke up on a Monday and you were like, <laughs> this week, <laughs> Lord, <laughs> ah, this week, I'm, I'm, I'm. and that week came, gone. You're still here. Oh, you're still worried. Oh, the following one. <laughs> Jesus says, don't worry. Worry produces stress. Stress escalates to fear and anxiety. Fear and anxiety escalates to distress. Distress escalates to depression. So when Jesus was saying, do not worry, he was looking at where worry is going to take you. So, so, what do I do? Because the things that I am faced with, they, they worry me. We, we are going just to conclude the moment, I love what David says in the book of Psalms. He says, I will not concern myself with things that are too wonderful for me. Things that are beyond me. Things that I can't even comprehend or process in my small mind to try and figure God out. Have you ever been in a situation where you were tempted to think that God was wrong? God who created the heavens and the earth without asking for your advice. You thought all of a sudden he has lost track of how to run the affairs of this world by what you are going through. And you were so angry at God. And you forgot that the Bible says he's righteous, a righteous judge. He's the God of justice. In other words, his judgments are accurate. No matter what is happening in your life, God can never be found guilty. If you don't believe me, ask Job. That when his friends were influencing him to say, dude, you are the most righteous person we know. How come this is what is happening in your life? God had to break it down quick to him to say, None, no one is righteous. If I were to just take a moment to prove that you are not righteous as you think you are, I can prove it to you now. And I said, if you know better, who causes the sun to rise in the morning? While you are sleeping, by the way, you wake up, you find the sun yeah. is shining. <laughs> who tells the sea to stop here yeah. and not to cause a tsunami? Yeah. Who does so? That's why Job himself says, What is the hope of the godless? Because God becomes a factor that puts everything into perspective. Listen, there are things in this world that you will never understand. 
There are things that I wake up and I say to myself, I wonder. <laughs> I'll tell you this. Let me give you, uh, uh, sometimes being the, the what that I do, the, the, the leader that I am, and sometimes I feel afraid. And when I feel afraid, I want to deal with that feeling as soon as possible. I was telling somebody, I said, sometimes, especially as men, we struggle with dealing with our emotions. And I found a remedy for it, Paul. <laughs> you don't have to pay me for this one. It's for free. It's going to help you a couple of years for now. We've always accused our wives of being too emotional. Because they know, you know, every little emotion, they want to express it, process it. It must be visible. Sometimes when I don't know what to do with how I feel, I tell my wife. Yeah, why, why, why? I, I've seen, you know, she performs a miracle of Jesus. You know what Jesus did when they had two fish and how many bread? Five. And they didn't know what to do with it because there was a lot of people. They gave it to Jesus. He broke it, blessed it, gave it back to them in a multiplied form. And I saw my wife performing that miracle. When I'm afraid, I'm not going to tell you. I say to her, to be honest, I'm afraid. But not just any kind of wife. Tabi. A wise wife. Who will not go in to say, oh, what are we going to do? If you are afraid, what are we going to do? You need a wise wife at that moment who will understand that I am his helper. And at this moment, I might be feeling afraid as well. But at this moment, I need him to be at his right mind as soon as possible. Then she takes my fear and she prophesies upon it. And she says to me, Son of Sam, God is with us. He's going to work out and and I say to myself, I begin to be upset for the next 30 seconds because I don't understand. How are you saying all is going to be? Didn't you hear me say I am afraid? And she continues and she says, all will be well. That God is at work. And before I know, the more she speaks, the more I get back to my senses. And, and the more I come back to my senses. And, and, and the more, and then before, we, before the end of the day, I am the one giving instructions. I am the one saying, love, this is what we are going to do. We are waking, call that meeting. Let's go and sit down. Why? Because I, uh, because if I can sit with those emotions for the next five days, all hell will break loose. You don't want to be next to a depressed man. Because you malfunction, you stop leading. And in marriage, there's nothing that motivates a wife than a man who can lead. So when, when the enemy deals with you, he stops you from leading. Because you are distressed, you are discouraged, you are 
So as a wife, you must find a way. How do I get him back to that leader that he is? Don't be worried about what's the situation. Don't be too technical. You are making it worse. Yeah. Just find a way of saying, you know what? We've been here before. I saw you bringing us out of this situation. And I don't know how. I don't know where. But what I know is that God is definitely going to talk to you about something. All I can do is to pray for you. Yeah. yeah. Just a couple of weeks ago, I was afraid, Goodwill. I was afraid when things were not heading up. I was afraid. And I was driving, I was sitting with my wife. I said, oh, love, to be honest, I'm scared. I'm scared. I'm scared. I'm scared. And she said, no. I know you. And, and you know, I discovered three days later that she is, as, as, as a matter of fact, more scared than I am. <laughs> But when I was talking to her, she was pretending that she's the mighty prayerful woman of God. Yeah, I, I saw when her, friend, when her friend came to see us, she was crying. They were hugging each I was like, whoa, whoa, Ganti. But she was able to hide because that was not a moment to touch and agree with me with my fear. I was just for free. <laughs> when you lose hope, you get into that state of being afraid. Why? Because everything says to you, nothing is going to work out. And the more fearful you are, the more you attract what you are afraid of. But God wants us to overcome hopelessness and fear. The Bible gives us the remedy for fear and it is love. And perfect love only comes from God. 1 John 4 verse 18. There is no fear in love. But perfect love, the Bible says, casts out fear. So in other words, when I feel afraid, I need to remember that God loves me. Because the Bible says God is love. I cannot be fearful and experience the love of God at the same time. You see, as soon as I stop meditating on the love of God, Tati, that's when I allow fear to creep in and to take over. But when I am afraid, I need to first experience the love of God. I need to remind myself of the fact that he is the God who said, I am mindful of you. He is the God who said, I will bless you in your sleep. He is the God who said, I have so much loved you that I gave my only begotten son. That as you believe in him, I will definitely guarantee you a place in paradise. It is the same God who has declared his unconditional love for me. And because he loves me, God is not planning to leave me. And this God who loves me, the Bible tells me that he is with me all the time. You see, I want to tell somebody this morning that you might be feeling alone, but you are not alone. You, you, you might be feeling like everybody has abandoned you, but you are not alone. As a matter of fact, sometimes God will chase away every person 
that makes you feel like they are with you and they are not really with you. So that God's presence may be real and be tangible. That's why the presence of God is directly connected with fearlessness. That's why in Isaiah 41, he says, do not be afraid. Why? Because I am with you. For as long as God is with me, for as long as I can meditate on his love, for as long as I can sense the presence of my Father, that my God is with me, I may be deep down in hell, but if I know that God is with me, and let me tell you this, there is no situation that God does not qualify to be part of. That's why David says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, he says, I will fear no evil. Why? Because you are with me. I might be afraid. It might be dark around me, but as long as I can sense your presence, for as long as I can sense your touch, for as long as I can sense your love, I know I'm going to come out of this valley. I know I'm going to come out of this situation. It seems like there is no way out of this. There is no door. There is no opportunity to escape. But I know you are with me. He says in the book of Isaiah, even when you go through the waters, <laughs> you are not going to you are not going to drown he says even though you go through the fire he says you are not going to be consumed you are not going to be bent if you don't believe me ask the three Hebrew boys that when they were thrown inside the fire and the fire was intensified seven times more let me tell you if you feel like the situation is getting worse don't give up Mr. David the Bible tells us that as long as he is with us as long as he's with me as long as I can sense his presence but boogie in that in that fire they say there is a fourth man in the fire you are not alone you are not alone there's a fourth man in the fire I am not alone there is another man in the fire and he has promised that he is going to be with me and if he is with me in the fire he becomes the fire that is more powerful than the fire that is threatening. How do you, how, how do you process this? They were in the fire. But the Bible says not even the strand of their hair. How? The Bible says our God is the consuming fire. So in other words, when God stepped in, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> he became more fiery than the fire. And he began to consume the fire. So that because me and him are one, I can't be consumed by his fire. I can't be destroyed by his fire. As a matter of fact, what he's going to do, he's going to ignite me so that I become like the fire that he is. So that me and him together in this situation. In other words, I might have lost my job, but as long as I am with the one who is more powerful than joblessness, more powerful than poverty, more powerful than sickness as long as he is with me that's why he says goodwill do not be afraid in other words everything might be saying to me I am going down but as long as God is with me you see you can begin to be afraid when the presence of God is no longer tangible in your life but for as long as God is with me 
listen, God is with you. Listen, God is with you. You, even if you're saying to me, Mfundis, you don't understand. I am far away from God. Yes, you, but he's not. You, you are far away from him, but he is not far away from him. He, his promises in him, they are yes and they are amen. When he says, I will never leave you and I will never forsake you. You might have moved, but he has not moved. He is still committed to being with you. You are saying to me, Mfundis, you don't understand how much I have messed up. Yes, he is still with you. That's why the psalmist says, where can I hide from you. He says even though I can make my bed in hell. He says behold you are with me. In other words even when I am in the deepest he's with me. He's with me. He is committed. He's with me. He says listen even if you are going through it you are co- you are Koisha. God is promising Koisha now. I am in there and the guarantee here is that Gulom Kowisho that we are going together. Ah, the results is the expectation that you are supposed to have in me. You are supposed to have this expectation that every good and perfect gift comes from me. He says, no one can receive anything except it be given from God in heaven. Let me tell you, do not give up on God because he has not given up on you. You need to believe. You need to walk out of this place and go and face your mountain, face your challenges, face your situation and tell your situation, I am not alone, but he is with me. I am not handling this on my own. Sometimes it might feel like you are alone. Don't look at your friends. Don't look at your connections. Don't look at all the things that you have lost. Look at this fact. God is with you. God is with you. You are saying to me, Mfundis, you don't understand how much I have lost. Ah. Let me read your scripture. Let's stand on our feet. This is what he promises us. Let me show you something. As Christians, in most cases, we always look, look forward to the situation ending. God's goal is not just to stop the situation. God's goal is not just to end your pain and your sorrow. God's goal is to restore what you have lost in the process. That's why our God, time is of no essence. I love what the Bible says in the book of Joel. It says, He will restore. It doesn't say the things that the locust, it says the yes. What does that mean? It means when I'm 45, I'm worried about the fact that I've missed my time because of all the hell that I've gone through. God simply says, look, if by now you were supposed to be here, I can do it instantly like this. I can get you there tomorrow. As a matter of fact, you can be even ahead of those who started before you. That's why the Bible says hope 
is the substance. Uh, faith is the substance of things. So if you have no hope, you, you can't believe God for anything. You, you can't believe God for anything. You are not. I love that translation that says the title deed. Faith is the title deed. Without hope. Without hope, you are not giving God anything to work with. You can declare, you can confess, you can speak to the mountain. But what is your expectation? After I've declared, what is my expectation? Listen to what Zechariah 9 says. I'm going to read it in the message translation. It says, And you, because of my blood covenant with you, that's God's commitment. He does not say because you are holy, because you are righteous, because you are the best person that has ever happened. He says, because of my blood covenant with you, I'll release your prisoners from their hopeless cells. He says, come home. Hope-filled prisoners. What took them out? They were in a hopeless cell, but they were hope-filled. They were in a hopeless situation, but their hopeless situation did not take away their hope. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Be a, be a hopeful poor person. Yes, 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 yes. Be a hopeful sick person. Yeah, 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 yeah. Be a, be a hopeful and unemployed person, but be hopeful. I am in a hopeless situation, but I am hopeful. Then God says, Come out, he says. He says, come home. Hope-filled prisoners. He says, this very day, I am declaring a double bonus. Everything you lost, returned twice over. So God's goal here was not just to return what they have lost, but to bring it back in greater quality, quantity, and kind. So, as you are praying and you are trusting God for a breakthrough, you are trusting God for this, don't just, don't just go for what you were supposed to have by now. Just go for double for my trouble, for the pain, for the loss, for the inconvenience, for the stress, for the sleepless nights, for, for all the concerns and anxieties that I had, for, for all the, my world had to turn upside down. In other words, you better, when you walk out of this place, start sending a message to the devil that you better begin to spend sleepless nights as from today. Because as from today, I am going for my promise. I am going for what God has promised me in his word. You better tell him that in the same way, devil, you got me worried. You better be worried for what I am about to declare, for what I am about to hope for, for what I am about to believe God for. You better know that you are, you are not just going to pay me back but you are going to pay me double in greater quality quantity and kind My the joy I have lost the sorrow I have experienced the anxiety I had the distress I have experienced the depression state I am in devil you are going to pay me and you are going to pay me back good it does not matter where is it going to come from even my enemies are going to pay for everything that I have lost 
those who have hated me, they are going to pay back. Listen, the Bible says, if the thief is caught stealing, the book of Proverbs make it worse. It says, he shall restore. Not just twice, not just three times, not just four times, not just five times, not just six times. Seven times. In other words, in better quality, quantity, and kind. Now, devil, for the past five years, my marriage was not as sweet as it is supposed to be. Now I'm coming for my marriage as it is supposed to be and more. And more. Put some sugar in it. Or have you ever been in a restaurant and, and the waiter was giving you attitude? And because you are in a position of advantage, just watch them serve you with sorrow in their heart, but you enjoying what you're supposed to enjoy. In other words, not only are they going to bring the cup, you ask them to put honey. You are, not, you are not going to say, please bring me honey. You say, please put one teaspoon and watch them with sorrow on their face, but yet making your tea sweet. So just commit to yourself and say, devil, I'm just going to enjoy watching you suffer. Just bringing everything that you have stolen from me. What I know and what I don't know. Even what I don't know. They're going to bring it back. Because there are things that Satan steals that I never even knew I had. He must now come back and make me aware that actually, my brother, this was yours, you know. You, 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 you had a breakthrough about to come and I stole it. When I caused you to make that mistake that day, it was because I wanted you to lose this. But now God said I must bring it back. I must bring it back. I must bring it back. So in other words, now in my business, I was supposed to be there. But I'm still stuck here. Not because of my own doing. Not because of my own doing. The Bible says the enemy has done this. The enemy has done this. The enemy has done this. But today the Lord rebukes him. Father, we thank you. As we return to you, knowing and believing that you are with us, you said in your word you will never leave us and you will never forsake us. Today we declare we are not alone because you are with us. You are on our side. You are the greater one in us than the one who is in the world. And if God be for us, who can be against us? Today we declare restoration. What the enemy has stolen. Our joy, our peace, our blessing, our favor, our opportunities, our finances, everything that the enemy has stolen. Today we declare that he is like that thief of Proverbs who has been caught stealing to restore what belongs to us seven times more. Today we are walking out of this building not empty-handed. But oh Father, we are walking out as a restored people. May our hope be restored. Those of us who walked into this building hopeless, 
having lost hope, fearful, anxious, distressed, worried about tomorrow. May peace that surpasses all understanding begin to rule our hearts. That when we walk out of this place, we are going to walk out as those who are returning with joy and whose mouths are filled with laughter. And may those, oh God, who are around us declare and say, surely the Lord has done great things for them. Today, oh God, with expectation, we walk out of this place knowing that, oh Father, as we pray and we call upon your name, not only do you hear, but you answer. In the name of Jesus Christ, you incline your ear, oh God, to our prayers. You hear the cries of our heart. Father, we decree in this place in the name of Jesus Christ that doors will be opened, that opportunities will come our way, that our expectation, oh Father, will be you making a way where there seemed to be no way. Father, where they've told us that we, are, we don't qualify today, Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, we thank you that, oh Father, a different verdict comes. A different verdict comes in the name of Jesus. Where we have been denied access, we declare those doors opened in the glorious matchless name of Jesus Christ. Father, we command a release of finances, a release of opportunities, a release of promotion, a release of elevation, we declare in this place that our lives will never be the same again. Our businesses will never be the same again. Our careers will never be the same again. Our callings will never be the same again. We thank you, our God and our Father. We bless your name. You are not a son of man to lie. Your promises in you are yes and they are amen. Your word does not return to you void, but it accomplishes, oh God, what you have sent it for. It prospers in what you have sent it for. We give you the praise. We give you the glory, the honor. And it is in Jesus' name that we pray. And the people said, Amen and Amen. Come on, let's give Jesus a big hand of praise. Come on, we can do better than that. Let's give Jesus a big hand of praise. Thank you once again for listening to the message today. We trust that you were blessed by it. Please do subscribe to our podcast to receive new messages every week. Thank you very much and keep on building.